What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Personal Growth Podcast, Time to Grind. Here we discuss how to be the best version of ourselves every single day. I am your host, Kim Wynn, and I'm no expert, but I bring you tools and practices that I've used to transform my own life and guests who can bring their own wisdom and new perspectives your way. Changing your life and healing is completely up to you. I'm just here to spark your imagination and give you new ideas. If you want to do the work, you've got to get out there and grind. Let's do it together. This episode of Time to Grind is sponsored by BetterHelp. Most of us struggle with something. As you know, I have struggled with anxiety most of my life and PTSD for a good portion of my adult life. Therapy has been instrumental for me to find ways to manage and honestly just to have someone to talk to who knew how to help me when I didn't know how to help myself. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and they even offer financial aid. They'll assess your needs and match you with a licensed therapist, and you can change your therapist for free if you don't find the right fit right away. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network. A lot of areas don't have specialized therapy near them, and BetterHelp has a lot of options from the comfort of your home. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. And special offer to Time to Grind listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash time to grind. That's betterhelp.com slash time to grind. Now back to the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am really excited for my guest today and the topic because it's something I know that not only I struggle with, but the community as well for Time to Grind. So I want to introduce you guys to Maggie McGill. She is a Philly-based queer plus-size fashion content creator, body liberation advocate, author, and influencer coach. She believes that Everyone deserves to live a big, juicy life without changing their body. I love that. And lives her own life to reflect that mission. Last year, Maggie released her first ebook, Weightless, How to Lose the Guilt and Heal Your Relationship with Movement. And this year, she launched a fat and free self-guided course to help plus-size folks create lasting body confidence. Maggie is an influencer with an agenda. And her next project is to help even more mission-driven creators share their message and build a successful full business in the process. Her group program, So You Want to Be an Influencer, launches this summer. Welcome, Maggie. I am so excited that you're here. Thanks, Kim. I'm so excited to be here. And I appreciate you reading that very long intro that I sent you. (laughs) No, I, you know, I always appreciate that because I feel like people get to highlight all the wonderful things they've done. And I don't think we take a lot of time to sit back and say, like, look at my list of accomplishments and kind of how far I've come. So I I always love when people do that. I know. I'm like, wow, I I do so much. Look at me. No wonder I'm tired. (laughs) Uh, I feel that. (laughs) I feel that. Uh, but it's like exhausted with a purpose, right? It's, yes, it's, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not that. Yeah, we all need some balance. Yeah. So when I happened upon your social media, um, you know, my boyfriend knows your girlfriend, and he sent mm-hmm. your Instagram my way, and I started watching your stuff in my feed. And something that really stuck out to me about you is just how much you love yourself and life. And it comes through in your posts, in your photos, it literally in the smile I'm watching on your face now. And <laughs> I think that that's rare because a lot of the influencers I see, particularly revolving around body positivity, confidence, a lot of it feels very forced to me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, which resonates with me because I have to talk myself into being positive about my body on a regular basis. So I want to just kind of jump into your journey to start and kind of how your journey through your own body and how you feel about it has kind of come to be and and progressed along the way. Yeah. So I've always been a bigger person. Um, I come from a family of bigger people and um, that's just kind of always been part of my identity. And growing up in that family, I was always, always growing up with a lot of diet culture. Um, We were all big people, but of course we didn't want to be that way. So I learned to, you know, not like my body and to constantly be in the pursuit of thinness. And um, in my junior year of high school, I lost a significant amount of weight. I lost like 50 pounds as like a 16 year old, which is looking back on it, like kind of a dangerous amount of weight for a 16 year old to lose. Um, And I kind of realized like, oh, like, I'm treated differently at this weight. Like I, so many adults would comment on my body and I felt so uncomfortable. Um, they'd be like, good for you. I'm like, wow, you look great. And I was like, this is messed up. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I don't feel good. Like this doesn't feel good. I feel weird. And as I went into um, undergrad, I got into this community on Tumblr, which is like a fat, positive, like body confidence community. Um, I followed a lot of people that really inspired me. And it was the first time I'd gotten that message that like, no, you can be like a bigger person um, and still wear cute clothes and still like like yourself. And you don't, you know, you can just exist in this body and be happy and find love and have friends. Um, And that was such a wild concept to me. And so I just, kind of took that and and ran with it and I realized that that concept changed so much for me that I wanted to share it with other people as well so I started my own Tumblr blog I started my own YouTube channel which eventually turned into Instagram um, and put me where I am now and I shared my journey the whole time Um, so not only was I you know sharing like inspirational messages I was also bringing people along real time in my journey towards intuitive eating, intuitive movement, um, and body confidence. I relate to so much of that. I've always myself been very, I want to say I've kind of sat in the middle of being thin and being very overweight. Um, Mm -hmm. I also recently lost about 50 pounds, although I put a little bit of it back on in my journey with intuitive eating myself. I agree with everything you said about the way people treat you differently when you lose the weight. Um, Everything becomes about uh, your body, how you look. And I have really learned, I I actually posted something on my Facebook the other day that it makes me a little bit sad that weight loss is celebrated more than just about anything I see on social media. And, And literally as an experiment on my own Facebook page, this past week, I kind of I posted a lot about like thoughts and opinions I've had. And I posted one before and after photo of like just a face shot. The, you know, amount of engagement was far greater on that one photo than it was on any other ideas or opinions that I had. And I have found that as, you know, as some kind of influencer myself, that putting those weight loss photos of myself uh, brings me greater engagement, which just makes me so sad. But you're you're very right. It becomes about how we look, and and we'll dig into. There's so many things that play into that sure. for me, um, right? Like you said something on one of your posts because I dug through a lot of your social media and I fell in love with a lot of the, your words. And um, you yeah. said our longest romance is with ourselves, and mm-hmm. it's so true we spend more time with ourselves and our thoughts more than anyone else. Right. So I think, you know, if we're looking at our relationship with ourselves as our real love story, right. That we're the true love of our life. Mm -hmm. We spend so much time hating our bodies and, and ourselves. How do we move from, this feeling of inadequacy, I guess, you know, cause we fall into comparison traps a lot with social media and, and things right. like that. 
from feeling this way about ourselves to kind of loving ourselves? Like, does that just start internally and then sort of exude? How do you, how do you think that comes to be? So I feel like this is not the answer you're expecting, um, but I really like to question everything. So anytime I have a feeling of um, inadequacy around my body, I ask myself the question, who is benefiting from this insecurity? And it is generally a weight loss company, a cosmetics company, a doctor. It, there's always someone that's getting paid <laughs> to take this insecurity away. And keeping that in mind, you realize, oh, like that's made up so they can get, get a check. My body is fine. There's nothing wrong with, with me. If, if, if someone else is getting paid to help me fix this, then it's probably not something wrong to me to begin with. So that is a question I keep in mind a lot. Anytime I'm like, oh, you know, I'm too fat. Well, who am I going to pay to fix that? A gym. Weight Watchers, right? Um, oh, I don't like the way that my face looks. Okay, cosmetic surgery or contour. Like someone's always benefiting. So I like to just like really question that and be like, why am I hating myself right now to give someone a check when I could love myself, save my money, and also like be a happier person? <laughs> And um, that can, I mean, I feel like that concept can be applied to so many different people. Um, and it's something that really changed my mind about a lot of things. And you can still, you know, you can still wear makeup. You can still choose to change your body. There's not any shame around that. But I think really considering, like, do I actually want this or have I been told that I want this? Well, I think it's something society just, teaches us really, mm -hmm. you know, it's, I cannot wear makeup to work and how many people are going to ask me how, if I'm tired God. just because I, I didn't paint my face for the day. And, you know, I mean, we could dig into the whole issue of men don't have to deal with this, right. We accept mm -hmm. their face as it is. Um, although they do have like some beard culture, right. We, <laughs> they do, yeah. like beard more and hair yeah. culture. <laughs> right. But you know, it's, it's really, taught to us as as little girls even mm -hmm. that you know the the first compliments to us are always that we're beautiful or on how we look and everything else comes secondary to that it, sadly I know as a woman like my appearance is judged before my ideas and opinions mm -hmm. are ever accepted um, or even looked at and um, I think what you said relates to so many other facets of life you know asking ourselves where what is this insecurity who's it benefiting mm -hmm. not just even with weight loss but you know um i think insecurity reveals a lot about and judgment in general reveals a lot about insecurity yeah. too and and that includes how we're judging ourselves mm -hmm. so i want to talk about this because this is my biggest struggle so walking around every day i feel okay about my body in general even when i look in the mirror, um, when I'm undressed, I feel okay with my body. I'm my biggest struggle is when I get dressed. Mm -hmm. Um, I clothes play into such a big piece of it for me. You know, earlier you said that you could, you know, uh, as a, as a bigger person that you can wear whatever you want and feel good about it. And obviously fashion has evolved to help us with that. Right. Because yes. I remember yeah. um, I have a, a sister who's always been, who was always bigger and mm -hmm. like she had very few options when we were younger uh, for where to shop. Right. It was yeah. always like Lane Bryant. And that was kind of mostly mm -hmm. it. And there were a couple other random stores, but um, you know, now we have places like companies that, offer such a wide variety of sizes that mm -hmm. fashion you know suits everybody now which is wonderful so how do we feel good when we get dressed because that is my struggle i will feel fine undressed and then i put on clothes and i literally pick apart every part of my body i mm. think i look fat in what i wear i tend to stick to darker colors um, because I feel like it slims me, which is so odd to me because I don't feel that way. Just generally walking around. It's my clothes that make me yeah. second guess everything about my body, I guess, or feel some kind of way about my body. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? And how do you get around that? How do you work around that? Because this is where I struggle for sure. 
I feel like this is such an apt question because like I literally put this shirt on today and I was like, I don't know if I love this today. And I was like, no, whatever. I like rolled the sleeves and I was like, well, that's a little better. <laughs> so it's definitely not just you. Um, I think for me, it really depends on a day to day. Also, like, what is the weather? Do I want to wear what something is weather appropriate? Like, I think everyone feels that the same feeling sometimes. Um, I have like three different answers to your question. One, um, I think that when we see clothes being modeled a lot, they're always on very thin people. They're also always um, either like um, clamped, like from the back or tailored. Um, celebrities that we see a lot of their clothes are like tailored specifically for their body. If you feel like you can never find a pair of jeans that fits you correctly, it's not because your body is wrong. It's because your jeans are made for a certain type of body and it probably needs like tailored. Um, so clothes are, are like a one size fits all clothing system doesn't really work for most people, most people's bodies. So keep that in mind overall. I also think that most of us don't necessarily know what we look like, like in a genuinely honest way, right? Like we have this idea of what we look like in our minds, but maybe like our favorite profile picture, this perfectly, you know, like posed selfie. Um, and when we see ourselves in the mirror, when we see ourselves in candid photos from events, it can be really triggering to see ourselves in a way that we don't usually see ourselves, which is the true version of ourselves. Um, but so often we don't face that. One way that I really like to navigate this is just to like take photos of yourself from all angles in all outfits. You don't have to post them anywhere, but just like really get to know yourself from all these angles so that when you, when you do see yourself in the mirror, when you do see yourself in candid photos, you're not surprised and you're not like, oh, I'm so big and like, oh, my arms look like that. Like, you won't be surprised. You'll, you'll know what you look like. <laughs> and I also think that in terms of fashion and clothing, I think so many people don't wear the things that they want to be wearing. They don't wear the style that they want to be wearing. They wear clothing that they think they're supposed to wear, even though it might not bring them, um, you know, euphoria in that kind of authentic way. So I would always consider like, am I actually wearing what I want to be wearing? Am I wearing what I think I should be wearing? Is there an aesthetic that I think I would like more? Um, that can, I think that's something people don't really think about because you have your clothes, you have your closet, but like, is that actually like what you want to be dressing like now? Those are some of my thoughts. I don't know if that answers your question. There's no, there's really it, so much that goes into it. It does. And I think taking the photos is a great thing because, um, I've resonated with that a lot. I think prior to me losing some weight and I, I didn't just lose weight to lose weight. I was very mm -hmm. unhealthy. Um, I was pre-diabetic. I was, I had a binge eater. I had a horrible uh, relationship with food. It mm -hmm. was not good. And so, you know, I think I had the reverse type of body dysmorphia where like I thought I looked okay because mm -hmm. all of the photos that I posted were very crafted and angled and, you know, I, I, and then I would see a photo of myself that someone else took and I would be like, wow, that's me. And I don't think I take enough of those photos even now. Yeah. Now I don't like filter myself besides like brightening a photo maybe and things like mm -hmm. that. And I don't angle those photos anymore, but there will be photos that I probably wouldn't post because right you know, I, I didn't feel good about myself and them or whatever it is, which I think is just common. But I, you know, I, I did, I did go through that where I'd see the photo of myself that another person took that wasn't like a selfie or a timed mm -hmm. photo that I took of myself. And I'd be like, wow, that's, is that how people see me walking around? <laughs> this is not good. Um, and, and, you know, like, and everyone else wasn't uncomfortable with the way I was walking around. It's, it's really just us, right? Like no, no one else is. Interestingly enough, I think something you said earlier kind of stuck out to me when we talk about the way people talk to us when we lose weight. Mm -hmm. Um, no one commented on my body before I lost weight. No one, even when I felt like I was bigger, no mm -hmm. one was telling me, that I should lose weight or that I was too fat or anything. No one, no one really commented on my body till I lost the weight. And um, I think I felt like they were silently 
judging my body. Sure. And and now I feel like they do it more loudly, which is weird, right? It just goes into that like weight loss is seen as such an accomplishment in society. And it's really harmful because you don't know why someone has lost weight. You don't know if they're sick. You don't know if they're depressed. You know, you don't know if there's something going on, like if they're on a new medication, like you don't know why someone is losing weight. So it's really, I mean, I think it's inappropriate to comment on anyone's body anytime, but I wish like more people would think like before you compliment someone on weight loss, like, like consider like, is it a good thing? You don't actually know. Yeah. I'm as someone who's had an eating disorder, like I, mm-hmm. I know you can be complimenting disordered eating for sure. And I try to be very mindful of where I play into that culture, given that I'm into, into like a, a big health and fitness space. I try and compliment hard work and things like that, you know, determination or um, because, if, you know, as someone who's put myself through a journey, those are the things I'm proudest of anyway, mm-hmm. not the scale or, you know, what size I am or anything like that. It's that I've set a goal and stuck to it and did more than I thought I was capable of doing. But so let's talk about diet culture. Let's talk about diet culture. <laughs> I spent a year of my life doing a program called Live Hard, which starts with a program called 75 Hard. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever heard of it, but it's very restrictive eating. Um, it's two workouts a day. It's it's difficult. It is a mental toughness program labeled as one. And while it does bring you great things like determination and grit and and good willpower and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. It also plays into diet culture for me. I went from binge eating to being very restrictive. And then after I finished that year, I moved into intuitive eating. I really wanted to heal my binge eating disorder mm-hmm. and learn to not diet. I'm very anti-diet now. Um, I, yeah, I don't. Um, <laughs> it's it's interesting. So I I had a period where I I had some goals for my for my own body for what I wanted to do for strength, and yeah. so I was like, okay, I'm gonna count my macros again. And I did it a week, and I immediately told my boyfriend like, this feels disordered. I don't like it, yeah. and so I stopped. I feel best when I intuitively eat. I, I mm-hmm. absolutely do. And in going through therapy for disordered eating and learning so much about diet culture and how it plays into so many aspects of life for everyone. I really see the way people eat and diet and move their way through the fitness industry. Everything looks so disordered to me now. Um, Because it is. Right. (laughs) Um, And so I, I'm I'm interested in like your thoughts on how diet culture and that industry really affects how we look at our bodies and how yeah. we kind of mentally move through our relationship with food too. Well, it's not good, Kim. <laughs> not good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say the core of of diet culture and uh, weight loss culture is just this immense push to. Uh, distrust our bodies like that is at the core of of everything um to not trust that our bodies know what food we need to eat and when to not trust that our bodies will maintain the weight that we are meant to be at um because that you know that's a core of intuitive eating is that you know your body knows what it needs it will signal that to you um and it will like take care of you it will burn the extra calories that you give it it you know it, it 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 will work really hard to keep you at that uh, set weight, right? But um, it makes food to be a moral thing, that there's good food and bad food. It encourages us to restrict, which the, the our brains, if we try to restrict, our brain is just going to want it so much harder. Like the science backs that up, whether it's, I mean, anything really, but, you know, food especially. Um it just messes up our relationship, food and our bodies and ourselves so deeply that it takes people years and years to untangle. And again, we think about who benefits from this. If the world was telling us like, trust your body, your body knows what you want, like, and go forth, then how many companies wouldn't exist that are, you know, selling us pre-made meals and 
uh, juice cleanses and, and whatnot. Um, and I think just like the biggest takeaway for, I hope anyone could take from this conversation is that your body will take care of you. Everyone is different because people do have, you know, diseases and autoimmune disorders and whatnot. But in terms of generally like your weight and food, like your body will take care of you. Your body knows what it needs and it will tell you. But that disconnection from our cues makes us question everything. And it takes a lot of energy to get back to that connected place. Absolutely. Like learning to listen to my body's hunger cues. Mm -hmm. Um, And not only just the hunger cues, but the cues for the kind of food it needs, you know, because I think a craving for sure, like signals something you want, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But for example, like my boyfriend's here from Philly, and he's out here for a month. And, you know, we've definitely enjoyed a lot of food. He's been eating intuitively for, uh, you know, a the most extended period of time that he has Mm -hmm. because I eat intuitively. And so, you know, we've enjoyed a lot. And then literally yesterday I had a day where I was like, okay, I need a day of like some good healthy eating because I'm, my body's just feeling sluggish. Mm -hmm. I'm not feeling good. And, you know, we hadn't gone crazy, but I was starting to feel the effects of it, like, of, or an extended period of, I guess, I don't know, I don't want to call it like um, a binge, because it wasn't binge eating. But uh, you know, we were eating some less than healthy stuff for an extended period of time. So I could mm-hmm. feel it like, and um, I think it's, it's something a lot of people aren't willing to do, because it's, like you said, the work, it can take years to, mm-hmm. I'm still working my way through it. And I've been, it's, you know, I'll be coming up on a year soon of my journey with intuitive eating. I'm lucky to have, I do have like a, um, a fitness and nutrition coach, but I'm lucky Mm -hmm. to have one that supports people through any journey they want. So like, while he supported me through like macros and things like that, I, he knew my eating issues. And when I said, I'm ready to intuitively eat, he was like, I think you're ready. Like, I think it's great. And he'll still support me through not wanting to count anything and what I still would like to do with my body, even if it's like, takes me a long time it's okay Mm -hmm. and i think with diet culture too like everyone wants that like let's get it quick let's get it now and like you said in the beginning right well when you said like losing 50 pounds what was your time period for that when you were 16 like oh my god it was probably a year okay so same for me and it it does feel unhealthy and so interestingly enough in the space that i'm mostly in you know in a 75 day period people will lose a significant amount of weight Mm -hmm. and when they see other people lose a significant amount of weight they'll be like it's 10 days in and the scale hasn't moved and to me Mm -hmm. the first thing i tell people is you know they'll say what am i doing wrong and i say what you're doing wrong is that you have unrealistic expectations for the scale and your body. Yeah. It's, I, I think that's the hardest part of diet, diet culture for me is that mm-hmm. everyone wants everything to happen quickly instead of, even if someone's wanting to lose weight to feel better or whatever it is like mm-hmm. for their health that they expect it now. Right? right. Yeah. I think like six different things you just said resonated with me. I think it's um, important to note that like diet culture, the purpose of like, like diet culture, like the mission of these companies, it's like not to make you healthier is to help you lose weight. And they don't really care how you do that. Um, So you can, you can pursue weight loss as a means of improving your health. But I think what's important to note, it's like, generally like losing weight itself is not what's going to improve your health. It's the habits that you are forming. So um, being more intentional with what you eat, not restricting, right? Not like going on a diet, but just being more intentional um, and moving your body more. Those two things without changing any, the scale can, you know, improve, you know, certain health outcomes that you might want, um, want to achieve. It's important to note too, that like, when we talk about health, that we have skinny people that are very Mm -hmm. unhealthy. We have fat people that are healthy. Um, You know, I happen to be pre-diabetic and that was not healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. My blood pressure was really high and that was not healthy. My liver enzymes were really high because of the amount of sugar I was eating and that was not healthy. So, you know, and I would say like I was 
for my body type and where I've always sat, I was at my heaviest for sure. I was probably considered plus size to Mm -hmm. most people. I was probably, I was around a size 14 and which I don't consider plus size. I think that is kind Mm -hmm. of like average. (laughs) I think that's like an average size for women. So um, at least in, you know, the United States for sure. So Mm -hmm. I, I love that like the whole body positivity movement opens up like discussion about what's normal versus us just accepting this diet culture that's pushed at us that, you know, skinny is pretty and um, mm-hmm. that's what's accepted, you know, because social media based on engagement usually tells us that's what's true. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the average woman in the United States is a 16 or 18, but they might be an 18 now. Uh, but the media we consume, every TV show doesn't reflect that. And I think that's where, um, the media that you consume and the, the social media that you consume really can impact your expectation for what you should look like. So if you follow a lot of people on social media who are your same body type and who are um, happy to be at that size and just kind of living their life and doing all the things they want to do, if your feed is full of those people, it almost gives you permission to do the same. If your feed is full of people who are at your you know, same body weight and are constantly trying to lose weight, then you're going to feel like, oh, well, that's what I should be doing. So, and then also, that also goes to TV and movies. If all you're seeing are these, you know, size two, size four people in TVs and movies, then you, your brain starts to think, well, like, that's the average person, right? Because that's the people that I see all the time. And then you look in the mirror and you're like, well, I don't, I don't look like that. (laughs) And there's this like incongruency of what we think people should look like and what we look like which I think can trigger that, you know, body dysmorphia um, and things like that. But I also wanted to touch on in terms of diet culture and weight loss um, that like scientifically weight loss of a significant amount has a 5% chance of like longevity. And if you had a 5% chance of succeeding in something, (laughs) would you do it? Like, and I wish that uh, more people knew that, that statistic, because I, I just always think, and I just made a reel about this, like, think of where you could be putting that energy of, you know, the, the time that you spend counting calories um, on the treadmill, not to say you can't do things that will improve your health outcomes, but like all this energy and time that you spend worrying, thinking, planning, what else could you be doing with that energy that's either going to get you closer to other goals or make your community better, love your family harder? Like, what could you do with that energy? So many things. That makes me like super emotional to hear because I feel that and it mm-hmm. makes me feel very like seen because I remember telling my boyfriend, like, I don't want to count anymore. And he loves counting. He loves um, you know, his, his, he's lost like 200 pounds. He was mm-hmm. very overweight, very unhealthy and he enjoys it. It's, it's not, doesn't feel disordered to him. To me, it mm-hmm. does for myself, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, um, I remember telling him like, I didn't want to count again. And I said, you know, if that means like I gain some weight, that's okay because I can't live my life. Mm-hmm. constantly worrying about what I eat and constantly worrying about how many calories are in things. And it doesn't make me feel good about myself or my body. Like I'm, yeah. I'm trying to, I just want to live my life. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it feels good to hear someone else say that. And I think what you said is so indicative of the way I'm feeling right now is that I probably don't spend enough time in the spaces with people with the same body or eating relationship as myself on social media. And I think we tend to do that with, you know, I'm, I'm a big um, supporter of let's make things look like the world, right? So like TV, like let's have people of all sizes and races and genders mm-hmm. and um, sexualities and everything. And I think that as much as we talk about sexism and racism, we don't often talk about lookism, which is something we deal with every day, right? We're constantly judged on how we look, even even like unconscious, like people don't even realize they're doing it. 
Oh yeah. Um, and determine your worth somehow instantly based on how you look. And, and a lot of that comes from what we determine to be attractive or unattractive. And if society is telling us and diet culture is telling us that being overweight, quote unquote, overweight is unattractive, then yeah, they're going to fear monger us to yeah. lose that weight, right? Yeah, because it's not just tied to like attractiveness. It's, a t- it's tied to success. It's tied to determination. Um, fat is a bad word for so many people because it has these other associations of like lazy and undisciplined and um, it's just a body type. It's no different than short or tall. It's literally just a descriptor. That's it. But society has put all of this, all of these other negative things onto it. And it's, it, it affects, it affects me, you know, um, thinking about like going to the doctor and um, I, I went to a new doctor in Philly and I was, just, it's always a crapshoot. I was going to get um, like a, a physical so I could start ADHD medication um and I didn't want to but I had to and I just like chose a doctor wish for the best um I've done a lot of research on advocating for myself as a fat person in the doctor's office and I went my blood pressure is fine and but she insisted that she test me for diabetes (laughs) she said I have no history of diabetes in my family I but she insisted and it came back negative but just like that like where she insisted that she check that because of my body size even though I have no other indicator of having wow. that disease, no history she insisted and I had to pay extra for it wow yeah uh, shout out to my doctor who has a little box I can check off on the paper I fill out every time they go in that says do not weigh me unless medically necessary <sighs> We love it. I feel, love yeah, it. <laughs> I feel like all doctors should have that because honestly, so like I do have a scale in my house because I documented like my, my, my own like weight loss journey, mm-hmm. like quote unquote, I wanted to, and I didn't weigh myself my whole time. I just wanted to know kind of at the beginning and the end, like what my weight was, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it, I don't step on it anymore. It never makes me feel good. So why am I going to do that? Even And here's the thing. It's not because I've let myself go or I'm doing bad or anything like that. It it doesn't matter what the number is. Whatever the number is, I feel bad. So I I love when doctor's offices don't weigh you unless they have to for something. Um, So I know that's wild to me that she tested you for that. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So like I got tested for diabetes, but I actually had indicators that I might have diabetes. So, mm-hmm. uh, wow. No, I like, yeah, I'm, I'm vegan. Um, pretty active. Like I, <laughs> I have no, no, nothing. And so she tested me and, um, you know, people of size go through this all the time in the medical field because they're taught that being fat is bad. And before you treat anything else, you need to treat a patient's weight. So, um, you know, there's a saying in my community, it's like fat phobia kills and it, it literally does. There are people who go mistreated, um, either their doctor like won't diagnose them with something or they won't even go to the doctor because of the treatment that they face and they end up dying because they aren't getting the medical treatment that, that they deserve. So it's a bigger issue. Um, but that's part of, you know, why I'm so visible and why I want to talk about it. Cause I don't even think, you know, straight sized people, realize that that's something that bigger people face oh I'll be honest I didn't like um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think and I think it's so important to hear these things because I'm one of those people and I heard um Brene Brown say this recently that we don't listen to people um that have different experiences than us and even mm-hmm. when we do listen to them we tend to not believe them mm-hmm. and that that's the key to changing everything right for Anything we're talking about, sexism, racism, lookism, all this political divide our country experiences, like, are we listening to people's experiences and believing them? And so I listen to you. I believe you, even though it's not my experience. And that opens my eyes to what other people go through in their life. And um, I want to talk about uh, movement because... Mm -hmm you know, you mentioned that you move your body a lot and which I see on your Instagram and 
Um, it, this was such an interesting concept to me. And I've been thinking about it a lot because I'm an intuitive eater and mm -hmm. you do intuitive movement. Um, how did you, did you always do this or was this, cause I think about like days I don't want to go to the gym and I'm very disciplined with the gym, but I'll have days where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to not go today. Like, yeah. um, cause I don't feel like it. I've been trying to do that more and more, but trying to make sure that I'm, I do, still move my body and um you know even if i don't feel like going to the gym maybe go for a walk and get fresh air because it's good for my mental health and mm -hmm. things like that so how do you how does one like intuitively move is it just similar to eating like uh talk to me about it kind of um so no i, I didn't always do intuitive movement that is definitely something that i um started I think in the last maybe four years it kind of was hand in hand with intuitive eating but the, the concept is similar to intuitive eating in that your body will tell you what it needs so when you know your body will tell you like hey like let's let's move a little bit today and people I think people with food and movement because we are taught so much not to trust our bodies that it's very hard to trust that our body will tell us like when we need to move and there are a lot of factors that can go into that people, you know, people have really intense work schedules, your parents, to me, it's so funny that we live in this society that is like, so aggressive about like health and losing weight and eating healthy. But our society actually doesn't support our health at all. Like at all. Um, <laughs> I 100% agree. Um, you know, uh, poverty is a great indicator of, of health. Having a balanced work life is great for your health having time to move your body and also like affording rent is great for your health <sighs> to go into a deeper oh, about that. <laughs> yeah no there's so many things we we live in a society that benefits on us not being healthy and and we don't and we live in a society that does not support a work-life balance at all mm -mm. um that's a huge conversation just in general but uh, i i agree with you yeah everything yeah. you said spot on so, <laughs> wow. so where does that fit into intuitive movement um mm -hmm. a lot of people don't have the time like don't have the uh, space to move intuitively i would say like that is just a reality for a lot of people because it requires you to have time and space to choose that movement for a lot of people they have to like work it into their schedule in a way that like and that's fine when I'm talking intuitive movement, I'm talking not forcing yourself to go to the gym X number of times a week, be on a machine for X number of minutes. It, this kind of like very mechanical way of looking at movement. Because movement should be fun. Moving your body should be fun or at least like tolerable. And I really, I talk about this in my ebook um, because so many people who are fat, who are in bigger bodies, really only tie um, movement exercise with weight loss. And so when they aren't pursuing weight loss, they don't do any movement. Movement has so many benefits beyond weight loss, uh, which isn't a benefit in my mind, but movement has so many benefits, mental health, um, just general functional, functional strength. It can support you in so many ways that have nothing to do with your weight. And it really upsets me that so many people avoid this because they think it's only for when you're like trying to reach a goal of losing weight when it has so many other benefits. Um, but for me, the key to intuitive movement was giving myself full permission to not move for as long as I wanted to. And that is really scary for people because they are terrified that their body is going to change and that they will gain weight. And if stopping all movement causes your body to gain weight, it's very possible that you are maintaining a weight that your body is not meant to be at. Wow. People don't like to hear that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I for sure um, would feel that way if I stopped moving. I happen to really love the gym and mm -hmm. I don't necessarily look at the gym as weight loss for me. I love strength training. Mm -hmm. um, I love feeling strong. I love when I can like hit a new PR. I love, you know, when I can reach a fitness goal of mine more than a weight loss goal of mine. So I think the gym is healthy for me and I do take rest days. I do, um, you know, I, th I think there's probably 
like more time I took off of the gym um, when my boyfriend's here because we're having more experiences than, and you know, we still, we love to go to the gym and work out together too. So like we're doing that as well. But, you know, for me, like if I put on, you know, some weight, like let's say in this month that he's here because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go to the gym or I wanted to enjoy life, like those five, 10 pounds are full of experiences for me that yeah. I know when I die, I'm not going to be like, oh, I skipped the gym that day. <laughs> like, it's, you know what I mean? I'm going to worry about like loving myself and the people that I love. Like, so yeah. um, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm trying, I've been, had this intuitive body movement on my mind too, but it's very similar in the sense that like mm-hmm. giving yourself permission not to move is like giving yourself permission not to diet. Yeah. Um, which is what I had to do. So um, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to be thinking about this a lot. I think um, because I think uh, exercise can be very disordered, just like eating can, oh, you know, definitely. a lot of people punish themselves at the gym for, yeah. you know, they think they need to run another mile because they had X amount of calories, like disordered mm-hmm. eating and disordered movement go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And those two. Oh yeah. It all, it's all, <laughs> it's all diet culture. It really is like, it's all, yeah. 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 I mean, that's a whole, I could talk about this all day. Me too. <laughs> what I, what I want to talk about is something we touched on earlier, which is how the comments around us affect us when we're trying to change and heal from dieting. This has been big for me. People saw me change my whole lifestyle really. And I made so many positive changes. Unfortunately, like I, like I've, come so far with my mental health. I was suffering drastically from my PTSD and I'm, I'm now mm-hmm. in a healthy relationship. Um, my anxiety is so much better. I'm diagnosed with ADHD now, which yeah, listen, <laughs> it, I have this whole, I found this post one day about how women go undiagnosed for so long with ADHD. Oh, yeah. And it's not until adulthood that we really get diagnosed. And I attributed so much of it to my anxiety, mm-hmm. but now that my anxiety feels better, I'm like, why am I still doing these things? And then I saw a post about it, about all of the things that mm-hmm. ADHD looks like in women. And I'm like, that's me. Yep. I, better, I better talk to my therapist <laughs> and my doctor. Like what's happening? You know, like I, I've had all these great strides, right? But what people notice is the weight loss. And yep. then, so where's my worth when I gain some weight back? Isn't that, and that's like the trap, right? Anytime you do lose weight, it's like the ultimate fear is gaining it back and usually more. So the way that that I understand is the set point theory, which I don't know if you've heard of that before, Kim. Um, There's a book I really love. It's called um, Secrets from the Eating Lab. And I think you really like this book, but the the set weight theory is that our bodies have a um, innate weight and our um, internal systems will fight really hard to maintain that weight. So if you eat less food, it will like your body will say like eat more food right now. If you eat more food than maybe you need during that day, your body will work harder to burn those calories. So when you intentionally restrict, when you diet, when you um, put your body into that deficit, it's going to make you crave food so much harder it's going to make you crave really fatty like uh like really like carby food that's gonna you know put weight back on and eventually when you do like just kind of start eating regularly not during a diet your body will actually set your weight a little bit higher so that the next time you go into starvation mode because that's what a diet is it's putting your body in starvation mode intentionally it makes your set weight higher so that next time you go in starvation mode you have more uh, you have more fat to sustain you. And so a lot of people, you know, they're afraid to put that weight back on. And I'm like, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but like, it's actually probably going to be a little bit more and a little bit more every time. And it's the biggest fear because it's the judgment. Oh, everyone's going to think I let myself go. And they're going to think I, you know, it's all these fears. And, and it's just like, you can just stay at that initial weight and live your life and like, screw what anyone else thinks. Like who who are they to judge you on your body? Who are they to have these opinions on your body? Like, I only care what you think about yourself because as we said, you are your longest romance 
So that's kind of all I care about is how I feel about myself, how you feel about yourself. Because if anyone else has opinions on your body, they should mind their business. <laughs> oh, I 100% agree with that. I think probably something I've never said and, and need to post about is that I think a lot of people tie my weight loss into what I'm doing now and the results that I've had with this podcast or anything like that. And, and that's not the case. Changing my life, changing my mental health, changing my health and becoming more disciplined and consistent in my life and, and keeping promises to myself mm -hmm. is really because I always had all these ideas and things inside of me. I was just not doing anything with them because I was just mentally and, and emotionally drowning. So mm -hmm. it's not because of the weight loss. And I think a lot of people tie success mm -hmm. to my weight loss and that's not what it is. Like, you know, did it, play into some confidence boost for me probably but so when you say like I loved when you said like live a big juicy life you know that's what I've always wanted for myself um, because I've always felt like I was meant for more and I think everyone's mm -hmm. meant for more than what they're doing but I think a lot of people wait they wait mm -hmm. until whatever happens they wait until they're financially ready they wait until their body is a certain way or they feel like they're more socially acceptable right? right we wait until we're this more socially acceptable version of ourselves and comments from people play into that a lot the things we say to people play into that a lot and i'm very mindful of those things because you know it, it's such the language people use about like, oh, are you like, you're gonna, are you, should you eat that? Or, oh, are you still going to the gym? Or it's, it's so dangerous to people who are struggling to heal themselves mm -hmm. because it immediately, I can go periods of time without feeling bad about myself. And then someone will say to me like, Oh, like, are you still dieting or are you still like, are you doing this program? Are you doing whatever? Like, and that makes me think like, do they think I don't look good? Like, do they think I'm not, mm. I'm not acceptable to them? You know? And I, you said something that I wrote down because it's going to stick with me, which is starvation mode. And yeah. that is um, another word for a caloric deficit, mm -hmm. which is how we lose weight. So I'm going to keep that in my pocket. So I want to talk about like not waiting until we're skinny to do things in life or till we feel like we're socially acceptable because we got like this one life. Right. So yeah. Yeah. why do you think people are waiting? What would you say to the person who's listening and waiting? Oh, to the person who's listening, who is waiting until they are thinner or more beautiful or more acceptable. I would say that things are happening without you and I really want you to be there that almost and, made me cry <laughs> <laughs> um it's and also there are people out there who look like you and are doing it you know there are people out there who look just like you and they're doing the thing and the only person the the only person that is is not benefiting from this is you, you know? There are accommodations for so many things. When you go out and do the thing, there will be people that look like you doing the thing too. Um, and I think a great example of this is weddings. How many people lose weight before they get married? How silly is that? <laughs> right, we have a whole you know, like shedding for the wedding thing. There's a whole culture around it. And it's like, you know, you deserve to get married at the weight you are right now. You deserve to go on vacation. You deserve to ask for a promotion, um, wear a bikini, do everything that you want to do right now. You, you thinner is like literally no different than you right now. It's just later. Like, and I'm so I sorry that the world has told you that you have to wait because you really don't have to wait. You don't. I mean, I, I could even be thinner than I am now. And what if I waited until I was mm -hmm. like my ideal body according to society, right? I'd still be waiting. So yep. I want to talk about something that I loved seeing on your social media, which was you did a boudoir shoot. I've oh, always wow, wanted yeah. to. Yeah, I've always wanted to do one. And 
I haven't, I don't know why I haven't. I mean, it hasn't been like a weight thing really mm -hmm. for me. I think just something I procrastinate, like a lot of things I do in life, but I, um, or hasn't been like the most important thing on my list, but mm -hmm. I think a lot, this is a thing a lot of women want to do, but wait to do until mm -hmm. they're thinner. I actually see a lot of people um, that have done the program that I've done go through it and then reward themselves at the end with that. Um, I know instead of starting with it, it really is. And I think it's such a great thing to do at any size you're at because mm -hmm. it really helps you. I think that's one of those things that helps women really love their body. Like you, you get someone to just make you like show you the most beautiful version of your body as it is now, not like it isn't beautiful as it is now, but you know what I mean? Like when you mm -hmm. get this gorgeous picture of yourself, you're like, wow, like I am beautiful. Who could look at one of those photos of themselves and not see beauty like at any size? And let's not even stop at beauty, right? Let's talk desire. Let's talk sensual. Let's talk sexy. Because, I mean, when do we ever see ourselves sexy? Like, you know, like our partners might think we're sexy, but like we don't, we don't get to see ourselves um, in that way generally. You know, you can take a little selfie in the mirror and like feel yourself, sure. But like to see a photo of your beautiful ass from behind, bent over, you're like. I tap that, like, <laughs> I tap myself, like, damn, like, um, and I think it's, and even for me, and, and uh, you know, I've been doing this, you know, confidence journey for years, like, at this point, like, 10 years I've been on this journey, and doing a boudoir shoot last year opened a new level of uh, confidence and self-worth, and I think the reason that people put it off is because they think they don't deserve it, either they think that they aren't in the body that deserves it, or it's not worth the money, um, but like I, I promise you a boudoir shoot will instantly boost your confidence at, at the size you are right now. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just, it's really empowering. And it, it's, it helped me see myself in a way that my partner has, has seen me and told me, but I had not witnessed it myself. Um, and it just like, like blew my confidence through the roof. And it's, I don't know. So people get their books printed. I didn't, but I post mine on social media <laughs> occasionally. Um, but it's just a celebration of your body and your sensuality, your sexuality. Um, it's really fun and empowering. I love it. You put up a post that really mm -hmm. hit home with me about how you don't share many photos from it because when you did it, you got sexualized without your permission. And mm -hmm. as a woman, that resonated with me a lot. Yeah. Um, it was, I saw it a lot during my weight loss journey mm -hmm. with myself. I, I went from it, it's a whole, that's a whole discussion. I, um, I think that happens so much on social media and, and in the process we get blamed for what we're wearing or how we're portraying ourselves. Tell me what that was like and how, you deal with those voices speaking that way to you? I think it's so interesting, especially like when you're on that, on a weight loss journey, when you feel that dichotomy, it's like you go from being invisible to being assaulted. Like <laughs> there's a line that you cross <laughs> and it's like, so it's so jarring and it's like, you're like, excuse me. Like, and as, as plus size people, especially, it's like we're either like genderless, sexless, or we are a fetish. And that it can feel like that dichotomy as well um, in the plus size community. Wow. But yeah, I, I, I block and delete and remove uh, cis het men every day from my Instagram because they follow me. I don't know how they find me, but they follow me. They comment, you know either over sexual things, they slide into my DMs. Um, it's a daily occurrence. I could pay someone to delete people like an hour every day and it would never be enough. It's really, it's something I really struggle with. And even living in Philly, you know, I get a lot of street harassment. It makes me fearful to get into an Uber, to ride the bus alone. 
And it's really, 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 it really is an anxiety inducing. Um, it's not my favorite thing. But specifically on the internet, it's really upsets me because it, I feel like it's taking away my power of my like sensuality and my sexuality, all that that photo shoot built for me. The fact that I can't share it with my community without receiving some kind of unwanted like sexualization, it's just really disheartening because there's so many people that could use like that would love to see a photo of me in, in those in those poses in that empowering way. And I feel like I, to preserve my own mental health, I can't post them. All of this resonates with me. No, I said earlier that um, the most important thing to change is to listen to people and believe what they say. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and you are a cis, het, male, I love having conversations with people that reveal that I might be part of the problem. So if you're listening to this and you're part of the problem, like think about that, ask yourself, because I think that it's sad that that picture that you share of yourself could absolutely inspire or motivate someone to share a photo of themselves, Mm -hmm. to love themselves more. And the fact that, you know, we can, as, as women, that we can have such wonderful ideas, that we can have such wonderful thoughts and share those. And that this is the thing that we get back in return, the thing that we have to deal with you know, and, and I say have to, like, we have to deal with it as content creators, as people, mm-hmm. women who are putting their ideas and thoughts uh, and opinions out there, especially when we're confident about them, because for some reason, us being confident and, and you know, owning who we are as women and being successful somehow feels like it takes we have men that it feels like it takes away something from them. And that's not the Mm -hmm. case at all. Um, We're not trying to take anything away from men. We just want to retain control over ourselves and feel safe in the world that we live in. And that's not a thing. So I relate to the Uber stuff and just walking alone anywhere. And um, I specifically like um, when we talk about the voices changing around us, uh, just uh, obviously the voices on the internet changed around me, but those are all people I don't know, people I can block, mm. people which I'm a big blocker. Like I will me too. Mm-hmm. straight protect up. Your space. I, I, yeah, you got to protect your energy, girl. Like it's yeah, it's not worth it. I need like peace in my. I don't know who that person is, so bye. But you know, it's interesting. Like at at my like my nine to five job, like when I was in the midst of losing weight, and I heard those voices around me instantly change, right? I went from being like Mm -hmm. sweet and nice and kind and funny and whatever to like, I looked good every day. I didn't like it. I'm I'm uncomfortable with it. I've literally had to tell men at work. I had a man um, and he may be listening to this podcast. I don't know, but I had (laughs) some of the people I work with do and I had a man at work tell me like work with me for the first time. I work with Mm -hmm. different people often and say like, oh yeah, it, um, the guys talk about you a lot. Like they said, you have a really good body. Hello, HR. <laughs> now I'm I'm I used to be someone who was not as strong in my in my yeah. voice and my opinion, even though it was like inside of me mentally. Women can be very uncomfortable to speak up around men, right? Because mm-hmm. if we do, we're we're bitches, right? So mm-hmm. I straight off said like, I'm not sure where in this conversation you thought it was okay to discuss my body because it's not yeah that's my like we're not talking about this and if we talk about it again then I'll go to HR but like it's you know I um I think it's it's just common like as women Mm -hmm. we get it all Mm -hmm. day and and I don't think men if you're listening this is like listen and believe us sometimes you're the problem so even good men I've answered the same most times but yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, even even good men, like, um, and it's, it's honestly just the way they've been conditioned. This could be a whole podcast episode on itself. Oh gosh, like, yeah, toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah, it can yeah. be. Um, yeah. everyone go spend some time on feminist TikTok. It's wonderful there. <laughs> so, um, listen, I appreciate this conversation so much. It has made me feel very like seen and heard and I have learned so much from listening to you um, and your experience I want to throw a couple quick rapid fire questions at you go for it 
Do you think when people are promoting weight loss, they put a good spin on it by saying like your your health needs to get better by losing weight? Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I always like to ask inspiring people who inspires them. Oh my gosh, who inspires me? No one ever asked me that question. I would say, actually, I have a, I do have an answer to this question. I would say that um, my mom inspires me the most because we have the same body type. Um, I saw her struggle for my whole life and struggle even now um, with her body, with food, um, with confidence. And she's my biggest inspiration in sharing all that I, all that I share, all that I embody. Um, it's because I've seen how hard she struggled and all I've ever wanted is an easier life for her in that regard. So I do what I can to help her, but helping everyone else in the process. I love it. If you could send last question, if you could send a text message that would go out to everyone in the world, mm. what would it say? Oh my gosh. I'm a Libra Kim. I can't these decisions are too much for me. <laughs> this answer like changes day to day for me like it could be some tomorrow it could be like a different answer yeah i mean people can construe this any way they want but um maybe just something that's like just because it's always been this way doesn't mean it always has to be this way so true right yeah this has been wonderful thank you so much maggie yeah you guys go follow maggie tell everyone (laughs) where they can find you yeah, my Instagram is at Maggie McGill, um, my name. And uh, my blog, which also hosts my ebook and my course, is magsmcgill.com. Perfect. You guys, I will put the links for all of her stuff in the show notes. You can check that out. And I'll put the link for the book that you mentioned too Secrets from the Eating Lab. I'm going to check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, Super good. I think you'll love it. Okay, cool. And I have some big takeaways from this. You saying invisible to assaulted, like, I threw my head back immediately because I was like, okay, that's yeah. So true. Everyone. I hope you got as much from this interview as I did. This was a wonderful discussion. Go follow Maggie and I will be back next week with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, get out there and grind.